Welcome back to Word Season House. Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta coming to you from the uh, the villa that is the... It's the Aquarius Home Studio yeah, sur- yep, studio, yep. but it's in Shoreview today. Yep, it's in Shoreview. Uh, you are back from uh, Arizona and Vegas. Um, you remembered Valentine's Day. I walked into a bunch of roses. Uh, I actually was a preemptive Valentine's uh-huh. Day guy. I actually celebrated Valentine's Day with Margot before I left on the trip because oh, nice. I knew that I was going to be gone. So we went out and had dinner. I got her a Valentine's card, a Valentine's gift. That's why you're uh, your husband of the year. For... Husband of the year, nine of the last 11 years. I think it's going to be tough yeah. this year, but um, I don't, January didn't go too well for me. So I really. Is that why you show... walked in today with a ton of alcohol and you're just. It's feeding February, it to her? right. And I had flowers to wrap up our Valentine's celebration, but no, this is actually a. It's a tremendous little lead-in for the podcast. It's a cocktail of the month club that oh, I got wow. as a Christmas gift from Gianni. It's the second year. Last year was all the kids gave it to me. And you get, I think it was just from Gianni this year. But it was, it, you get three different drinks. You get all the mixes and the recipes to make four cocktails of three different drinks. The only thing they don't send you is the spirit. And each month, it's a different spirit. Okay. Last month, it was rye. This month, it's tequila. So you go out, you buy a bottle of tequila, and then it has all the mix to make four each of three cocktails. It looks good. And it, it, it's terrific. And it actually has broadened our horizons with some number. That's how we got into tequila was last year. There was a tequila month, and we liked a couple of the cocktails. They've stayed in a regular repertoire of ours. But they force you to think about drinks a little differently with some of the different mixes. You maybe get out of your comfort zone with even what kind of alcohol you might drink. And like this one, there's where the first one we're having here has a little blackberry soda in it with Blanco tequila, a rose syrup of some kind, and then some cardamom bitters. Wow. And lime juice. And it's really good. But another one, I think it was called like Cookies with Grandma or something, and it has chocolate in it and so there's a it's a variety of cocktails but it really kind of gets you thinking about things and i thought it would be a perfect way to lead in to have a little sip a little tequila while we talked wild hockey yeah no that's good i uh maybe i should start this to you know learn how to be a bartender for my next career that's that's my uh people ask me all the time what are you going to do next i'm like either uh deal poker or be a bartender Hmm. Well, for me, they usually talk about being a chef. I wouldn't mind. I'd love to do that, but I would. I wouldn't mind working in the in the restaurant business where bartender would be one way to yeah. do it. Be a wine guy. That be cool. Yeah, it, that would be a lot of fun. I went behind the bar at uh, Lake Elmo Inn like last year, and I, I poured my first beer. It wasn't very seamless. Yeah, you might have to have more skills than just pouring beer. <laughs> yeah, I, I. But even that, I was not very good. So uh, there's just nothing that I'm good at, at all. Well, like I was just in the dentist chair, and I was like this this woman that's like she's doing the cleaning, she's like maneuvering the mirror, and I'm like, how would you like? I, could you imagine if I tried to no. man- like clean somebody's teeth? Like, I how do you get the like? I can't imagine that you have that you're very good at brushing your own teeth. No, that's I mean, good. well. Trust you, me, I just learned. This is I'm a guy not. who had to call a maintenance yeah. guy to change a light bulb. Well, first of and, all, I'm definitely not br- good at brushing my teeth because I just got like a ton of bad news at the dentist. And you know what my problem with going to the dentist is, is that when they're doing the initial, like the, like it's always a new hygienist. And when they're doing the initial like exam and they're silent, you just know they're judging you. Like you just know that they're like, this guy doesn't floss. He hasn't flossed in 20 years. He only, you know, maybe, you know, uh, brushes once a day, you know, maybe smokes a little too much cigar, way too much coffee. Like, you know that this is all that's going right through the mind. She's judgmental on everything. And, uh, and, and I coincidentally, like I, I feel like I'm talking to Larry David right now. I'm, but well, I'm being judged by the dentist. And but I, you're about to say, coincidentally, I'm, I'm going to the dentist tomorrow for the first time in 15 years. I'm embarrassed geez. to say that. But the, and when I called to make the appointment, the woman calls up my name and says, hold on, please. And, and then comes back is it possible you haven't been here since 2009 i said yeah that's possible (laughs) and then she says oh so you must have been going somewhere else can you just have them like where else are you going i said uh nowhere just to my bathroom to brush my teeth a couple times a day yeah (laughs) and and we'll find out the other thing i do before i go to the the dentist is i feel like i'm cramming for an exam 
like I am like in there before going to the dentist, like just brushing every nook and cranny. I've decided, I decided today to floss for the first time in like weeks, months, and uh, just started bleeding like a faucet because <laughs> so they like, I feel like they want no, you know, when oh, you get yeah. there. I'm fully prepared for my yeah. mouth will be bleeding yeah. like crazy yeah. tomorrow during there's a, this There's time. a, I'd but, say 10 to one that you're not going to show up at practice tomorrow. I'll be there. Root canals. Yeah, no, I'll like, be there. Like, I'll be there. Crowns, we, we, cavities. We remember, like, we've had, and we joke sometimes about Margot's diving into different kind of fitness plans, different kinds of way to eat, different ways to take care of things. At one point this summer, we were brushing our teeth with sand. Sand. And sand. It was a little jar of sand, and you, and you, dipped your toothbrush in it and then you brushed with it and it was it was it was sand and it was it was sand <laughs> and and the Mara guy, said it was granular right but it it was it was the thing on the side said the first ingredient was sand and and so we brushed our teeth with this for a while and it was like when you ran your tongue across your teeth they were amazingly smooth then we had dinner with a dentist one night, and they said, yeah, don't do that anymore. It's terrible for your teeth. <laughs> so we abandoned that plan. We had these electric toothbrushes for a while that did a timer for two minutes, and they'd stop like every 30 seconds so you knew to move to a different quadrant of your mouth. We did that for a little while. So we've done some different ideas on dental hygiene around here, and now we're back to just using Crest and a toothbrush. So it's, it seems like we've come back full circle. By the way, is this like the normal procedure for when you get flowers to be doing everything you're doing, Margo? Like, is what a high maintenance procedure? She's just like trimming right, things right. and spinning things yeah, and pulling the out the spinning of the flowers. And she told me a couple times how to check. It's like that Mr. Miyagi here. To okay. check to see that the base is firm. We're told. Yeah. Take off yeah. all the leaves. The dead somethings. And then spin right. it. But in a store, I can't take But what if you get leaves. hit by a thorn? Oh, you take the thorns off, too. Right. So they end up with very wide open flowers. But there was something I've forgotten that I was supposed to check every time before I bought them. Because I can't... Well, I, if that's obvious to the naked eye, then I can do that. I thought there was some other test I was supposed to do to make sure they were good. But you guys anyway, know I, that she doesn't have a mic. Right. No, I know. I was asking the question for my own personal use, but people are but, either at this point going to absolutely love and find this podcast hilarious, well, or they're going to be like, it'll be good. It off. I got to have one more tequila cocktail. I got harassed when I got home because I did, I did have a little tequila last night after the game and in, in Tempe. And actually, you know what? I was thinking about this on the way home. Cause I was kind of thinking, well, well, probably talk a little bit about the road trip. And this road trip for me had a, was a, it's, had a couple examples of why I love the life of traveling on the road with an NHL hockey team. Mm -hmm. And because it had a little bit of, we happened to be in Vegas the day of the Super Bowl. Right. We landed a half hour, 40 minutes before kickoff. It was just fun to be in the city where the game was being played. I mean, it would be fun to be in Vegas on Super Bowl Sunday anytime. But this year, the game happened to be there. So there was just a buzz in the town. It's such a fun place to be just with the energy in the city and everything. And it wasn't ideal in terms of finding places to, you know, all the sports books were jammed and everything, but we just found a hotel bar to watch the game and went to my favorite little Italian spot, had dinner, listened to a tremendous Sinatra piano guy, and then had a great game in Vegas, well supported by Wild fans, as always. A day off in Tempe where I got to go play golf at an unbelievable country club with some guys from Ping that were down in, in Tempe for were for some ping training stuff, but they're from Minnesota. A couple of them were from Minnesota anyway, wild fans that wanted to go to the game, but had a chance, full off day. Team's not practicing or anything, so there was no, I had no responsibilities whatsoever. 70 and sunny in the middle of February, I get to go play golf in Tempe. And then the game night, Another again, a, a fun atmosphere at Mullet Arena. I know you weren't on this trip, but you've been there before. It's just, it, we have the best broadcast position in the league. You feel like you are more a part of a game there than any place else that we go all season long. But it was one of the rare times where we stayed in a city after the game and flew the next morning. So it meant that the game day wasn't quite as compressed where you have to have like all your stuff packed up, check out of your hotel, 
at 3.30, quarter to four when the buses are leaving. Instead, it was, I had a leisurely day there, a chance to get outside and run, went on a little mountain hike, had time for all that. And then after the game, got to just sit and I went out and, and had a few drinks with Darby Hendrickson and Wes Walls. And the, the opportunities to just sit there with just the three of us for a couple of hours at, at a little dive bar sip a few drinks and just talk about life, about hockey, about our kids, about our families, about Darby's cold water plunge training that he does. And, <laughs> and, but those were the nights that I talked with Margo before I left on this trip about the early days when I was traveling, when it was you, me, Chad Graff, Mike Greenlight. And it was just a given. In every city, the four of us were going to go get dinner. We were going to go get drinks and play games afterward. We all love the same things. We were going to have a great meal. We were going to have some great wine. And then we were just going to go play. And the nights we sat around the table and debated the most random of topics, <laughs> were those are the nights that were my most enjoyable nights ever on the road. And I got to have that last night with these guys just to sit there. And we talked everything from their playing days, the 2003 playoff run, what it was like with Jacques Lemaire all the different coaches Darby has coached with with the Wild. I mean, think about all the yeah. guys he's been a part of. He played for Jacques, and then he's, he was an assistant coach on every other coach the Wild have had. He's been a part of their staff. So we were Todd Richards, too, right? Todd Richards yeah. was the first one. Yeah. And so he's been a part of every single one. Mm -hmm. And it was fun just to have those kind of conversations. And, and obviously we talk a little bit about this year's team, and, and some of that can't be shared. But it was, it was just so much fun to sit and – and just chat with those two guys for a long time. And it, so it was a trip that just kind of had a little bit of everything for me. And the, the, the golf day was just terrific. With the, the weather was absolutely perfect. And we played at this course called Moon Classic or Moon Valley or something like that. It used to be owned by Ping. So all the owners of Ping's families' houses are on this course. One of them has a pool like shaped like a wedge that if you look at it from the, they showed me a satellite picture of it, and it actually looks like the head of a ping wedge. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. But the, it, I, I haven't, I've probably played six or seven rounds of golf on the road in the history of my time with the Wild. It just doesn't happen very often. So when it did, it was just terrific. I played with a guy who shot 67. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it was. That, that would be intimidating. Yeah, it was intimidating. And, and I watched him swing on the range, and the one of the guys I was playing with had said, this guy's a pretty good player. I watched him swing, and I was like, boy, I don't know. That swing looks, looks ugly. We got on the course. He birdied four of the first five holes. I was like, well, hold it. I am in so far over my head in this yeah. group. I haven't really swung a club. I, mean, I played a little bit one day, but I haven't really played golf since October. And this guy's four under after five holes. I was like, well, on my best day, I've never been anywhere close to that. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable, but you it was a great trip. You could tell LaPanta and I haven't talked in like weeks. Um, other than last week's podcast, we really haven't seen each other since before I went to Cancun. Um, when people, when, the next time we're on this podcast and we're whining about our jobs, people are going to remind us of this February yeah, 16th. Well, and, and uh, I will, I mean, I'm not ever whining about the job. <laughs> I'm just saying that this was a trip that had a little bit of everything that's the best yeah. of traveling with an NHL team. And Man, I missed it. It was, and yeah. <laughs> Well, you've missed a call. the the Florida trip this year was fun. I yeah, know you missed, missed all that the one good too. Trips. So, well, it's you're the guy in charge. Why don't you? I know. Put your foot down and let's go. I don't know if I'm in charge, uh, but uh, but uh, definitely try to compromise. And, and to be fair, I mean, uh, the Wild have one more trip to Arizona and one more trip to Vegas, and I'm on those. Um, all right. Uh, February 21st is our next live show. That's at Elsie's at 7 p.m. Come early, by the way. Greenbelt uh, has an awesome. Uh, uh, promotion with uh, the Tuttle's restaurants, which is Elsie's on this trip. That's 7 p.m. February 21st. Have dinner, grab a grain belt, uh, enjoy yourself, and uh, then Anthony and I will be showing up at 6.59 for the podcast. <laughs> um, so that's, uh, that's a good one. We have a lot to talk about in the show. I was going to say before we started that uh, um, we have a ton of great questions, and uh, we'll get to them all. That it might be tough now. <laughs> Just threw away... Uh, some some time well, on the there's, pod. There's a lot to talk about. With let's start with the, Mason the, the Shaw. Trip was great. Yeah, but let's there was talk, a, there's let's a lot to talk about yeah. with this team right now. Yeah, there's let's a lot let's of do stuff that. Going on. Um, but let's talk. Wild signed Mason Shaw today uh, to a one year deal. Rest of the season, he'll be at practice on Friday, practicing for the first time. Uh, I'm hearing Marcus Foligno is going to miss at least a couple more weeks. Obviously, we know Pat Maroon's out 
Uh, they sent Adam Beckman down. They're carrying still eight defensemen, so they can only carry one extra forward as long as they have 8D on this team. Uh, Chisholm hasn't even gotten into a game yet. Goligoski's been scratched. Mermis and Merrill have so far been the mainstays in the lineup and has kept Chisholm out of the lineup. Um, and then they're going to start sign Murat Husandinov later this month. That's everything that I'm hearing. So uh, if they're healthy, they're not going to have a ton of uh, a ton of roster room, at, if at all. So it's going to be interesting. But Shaw's going to get in the lineup, uh, Anthony. And, um, you know, the fact that this guy's even playing right now just says every he's so easy to root for. I mean, the determination of this kid. You have to root for him. Yeah. It's been unbelievable. And his story is incredible. But they wouldn't be, they're not calling him up just because the story's good. They're calling him up because they think he can help the team. You mentioned Felino, and we haven't really gotten any confirmation on it. In fact, I, I asked Hines yesterday what he had heard about it. And the only reason I even was, was asking was because I was just curious if he would handle his lineup differently if he knew that it was a longer-term injury. If, a lot of times if you know that you're just missing a guy for a couple games, you don't want to disrupt everything else, so you just throw a space filler into that spot. But if you think, hey, this might be three weeks, two weeks, whatever, a month, now you might handle it a little differently. And he at that time didn't really know, and I, and I, I, I actually there are times, you, as you know, when a coach tells you I don't know and – you know they know. You know they know. In this case, I really don't know if he did because when we left, he hadn't. They didn't really have definitive answers yet as to what the severity was. But what Shaw brings is a guy that could slide into a spot like that can help you as a penalty kill guy. Brandon Duhame was fine there the other night, but I didn't really think that line was very good. I thought the other three lines for the Wild, I thought were all much better in 100%. Arizona than the Goudreau, Hartman, and, and Duhame line. Shaw's proven to be a valuable penalty killer. He's proven to be a guy that everybody in the room likes and respects. And if now all of a sudden you say, okay, well, if Felino's going to be gone for a while, you got a spot in the bottom six that as good as that fourth line has been with Dewar, Lucini, and Letary, you got another guy here who has proven that he can help you in those spots. And as I mentioned the penalty kill where he was – such a big part of a very improved kill last year. I, this is not just a charity thing. This is a guy that can help the team. Yeah. I'm going to be interested to see what happens with who's and how quickly they can get him over here. You know, when they sign him, they theoretically, especially if they're working out the work visa and everything, they could put him on Iowa's roster just for the time being. And then if you remember, once you get to March 8th, which is the trade deadline, then you can go over 23 men on your roster. You just got to be cap compliant. Maybe we don't even, even if they sign who's enough later this month, maybe we don't even see him in the NHL. Yeah, you're only talking about probably the difference of four or five days and all exactly. that. Exactly. Um, but, you know, it, they are getting to that point here where you got to wonder how long they're going to be able to or, or will carry um, eight defensemen if they're going to have to make a move, whether it's putting Chisholm back on waivers or John Merrill on waivers yeah, I don't or think Dakota they, Mermis I don't on think waivers. They wanna, I think they have some intrigue in Chisholm. Yeah. And I, they like his skating ability, his puck moving ability. They see him as potentially a power play type guy. And I, I don't think that they'd be anxious to throw him back on waivers and risk losing him. I, even though and they would lose him. Yet, right, and they would lose him. They would for sure. And even though they... So it's got to be Merrill. Merrill and Mermuth. If they're going to go below eight. Yeah. And if you're going to do that, I don't know that either one of those guys would be a risk to be claimed. Yeah, I mean, no, they, no, they've been, yeah, they they've been fine yeah. with the Wild. They've been good, but I don't really think there are teams out there that would. I, I guess I haven't looked at the other rosters closely enough, but I would guess they'd have a chance to clear waivers, and I, they don't want to lose any of those guys. I, I think when you start to look at the at the defensive core, I think they're excited about. The addition of Chisholm, I think they think he has some upside, just needs an opportunity. But those other guys have really filled in well. And, you know, we, I was talking with Wes a little bit about this, that the, when Beckman arrived, that it perhaps ignited a little fire under a fourth line that, hey, now there's an extra guy here. And I don't know that Chisholm didn't have the same impact on the defensive core, where all of a sudden you got some guys who were just in the lineup every night, and now you got another guy sitting here that, if I don't pick it up a little bit, I'm going to be in the press box for a week. 100%. Totally agree with you. I think it's a great point. Because 
you know, I, I didn't love their game completely yesterday, uh, Merrill and Mermis. They both had some tough moments, some good moments. I mean, they didn't uh, play but, much down the yeah, stretch. Yeah, and no. Uh, but I thought they were both very good against Vegas and I Pittsburgh. They were great and, against Vegas. And, um, and I thought they were the best pair in, in Chicago. So I don't disagree with you. I, I think that, they, that those guys read the tea leaves. I mean, they know, you know, Goligoski can't go anywhere. Uh, so it's got to be one of those two. And I totally agree with it. Feeling overwhelmed by a growing to-do list and a shrinking schedule? Spending more time stressing over household repairs and enjoying life? Well, you're not alone, and Aquarius Home Services has your back. They are your trusted local let-us-tackle-your-to-do list team. Aquarius Home Services is here to assist. Whether it's your furnace, electrical work, or plumbing giving you trouble, you choose the service and they will handle the fix and take $98 off the repair cost. That's right. For any furnace, plumbing, or electrical repair, they're slashing $98 right from the price. Watch your to-do list shrink while you reclaim your time. No more worrying about flickering lights, leaky toilets, or noisy furnaces. Their dedicated professionals respect your home and your time. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. And don't forget to mention, Russo sent you. Open a 5.15% annual percentage yield 11-month certificate at any royal office or online at rcu.org slash financial journey C-E-R-T. Early withdrawal penalties could reduce earnings and principal. APY accurate as of 2-2-24. Insured by NCUA. Whenever I want to look like a non-slob, I wear twill. So Saturday night, I'm at Head Flyer. Everything I was wearing, I got a twill in the Edina Galleria. Sunday night, Timberwolves game. Once again, decided to go into non-slob mode. Everything I wore, I got a twill. Stenstrom dress shirts, uh, beautiful Italian sport coat, uh, Brax slacks, really nice belt, uh, everything. Everything, you know, I won't go any farther, but pretty much everything I wore, including, you know, my hat that's kind of like a dress hat that also has ear flaps to fold down for the Minnesota winter. I mean, everything I've got, I got at Twill. So I recommend you going to Twill and finding what works for you. Twillmn.com, Twill in the Dining Galleria. But how ironic is it, Anthony, that that Chisholm comes here and he might go back to Winnipeg and not even play a game yet when we go there next week? I mean, right now, I mean, I can't imagine he's playing against Buffalo, can you? I, I think if I can read the way Hines does handles this stuff and we don't know him as well yet as we've known the previous coaches he seems to be a guy that we're going well we're winning i'm not going to disrupt and so because of that i think it's unlikely he makes a change into buffalo i also think mermis and merrill had played well enough against pittsburgh and vegas that even though they had a little bit of an off night against arizona that they've got a little bit of rope left yeah now even in a win if they weren't great against Buffalo and the team won, then I could see him making a change. I got to, I got to believe he goes with the same group. Yeah. One more game. It's just a, I mean, this is a tough situation for Chisholm because I mean, this guy hasn't played in months and, uh, and now you're going to throw him into a lineup that is now suddenly trying to make the playoffs. It just, you know, it's really crazy just how it, it's all come about here where now it's, it's really hard to get him into the lineup because you might not want to really disrupt things. Um, and you're not disrupting the forwards at all. I mean, you can't, yeah, like how, like even Shaw, I can't imagine it's going to play until there's an injury because that fourth line of Lucini and Letary and, and, and Dury not changing. Yeah. And they're I not mean, taking, unless, unless you're sitting and taking out Freddie Goudreau at some point. And that, that was a, what I was just going to say is it's probably a bigger statement, but I think I thought the wilds worst line the other night was the Hartman Goudreau Duhame line. Those are three guys who you certainly would say have earned more, have more credibility, have a little bit longer leash than the fourth line guys because of their tenure and stature in the league. But I thought I thought those guys struggled, and you could tell. That's why Hines was playing that fourth line like crazy. He talked about it after the Pittsburgh game, how good they were. He leaned on them in Vegas. But I thought it was significant the number of times they wound up on the ice against the Keller-Schmaltz line for Arizona and Heinz didn't care. I'll play those guys against their best line. And it was a one versus four matchup. I bet four or five times late second, early third, when the game was in the balance and he had no problem playing those guys against him. Yeah. I, I, I just don't know when you send Goudreau a message at some point, like this is just unacceptable. This has gone on the entire season. He's just MIA. Yeah. Their penalty kill is going well and he's now suddenly a part of it. 
But my my lord, I mean, this is this is crazy how invisible he is. And at some point, you just got to hit him in the pride. As as much as this guy cares, as good of a guy he is, as much as he works hard, like at some point, you got to just send him upstairs and send him a little message here. And uh, because yeah, again, I'm curious, there there's sometimes where guys aren't playing well, and a message is what's needed. There are other times where it's not effort; it's just a guy that's in a slump. And with him, I think it's more the latter: a guy that's just in a slump. 82 but, game slump. Right, no, I, I agree. And I, but I don't think it's yeah. you don't look at him and say, well, he's not prepared to play. He's not out of shape. He's not it isn't lack of effort. He's just he hasn't been able to make a play all year. And it's like Ryan Reeves took the Freddie Goudreau we knew and turned him into like, you know. Well, we can uh, talk more about that in a minute. But the the because the other thing that was actually one of the other things I talked a lot on this trip when I spent some time with Wes and and we were looking at where the team's headed, the roster and everything, and, and Gaudreau's name came up. And we both agreed that I still believe his contract is a valid contract for a guy with his skill set. And if you're paying $2 million bucks for a fourth-line center that can kill penalties, that even if it's that and a shootout specialist, because he was really effective in shootouts, and those points are huge in the standings. This year, there just haven't been in very many shootouts, so we haven't seen it as much. But for two million bucks for that guy on your fourth line, that's terrific. The problem is here he's playing in a more significant role. He's been a third line guy, even a top six guy from time to time this year, and just hasn't produced at that level. But as you move forward, I don't think there's anything wrong with the contract they signed him. And and if he ends up being a fourth line guy that gives you eighteen or twenty points a season and plays on the penalty kill, it's worth two million bucks. Yeah. And but, it gets you some shootout goals. Right. But you this know. year they just needed more like what they got last year from him, and they just haven't gotten it. Because I thought Goudreau had a good camp, and then all of a sudden he breaks his ribs on game two of the season, and he's just like MIA the rest of the year. So I guess it's the only play Ryan Reeves has made that has been good this year for, for uh, you know, from his standpoint. How about, did you see My that, God, is he, did, is he like, well, he's, I've never met, I've never seen somebody that's so maligned in a market. That he's, but he's been exactly what I thought he was here, what I think both of us thought he was here, which was an overrated, exaggerated role player. And I thought the Wild were better off for sure at the price when Toronto signed him. And we, we both predicted that it wasn't going to be long into this season that the people up there would see the same thing. And, and I, I, all this stuff with the Morgan Riley hit the other night that, you know, you just, this stuff was never supposed to happen. Now that Ryan Reeves was here, like everybody was going to fear him. He was going to, how about, did you see the video of that hit that Nathan Walker? Yeah. And he's like five, eight, right. And, and just put him on his butt, threw him on the ice and, you know, I make I hockey know. violent again. Well, that's not a smart saying by no. uh, him. And, and, like the, some... and the fact that he said, came out and said things like, well, when I came in the league, if Ridley Gregg had done that, well, you're in the league now. Yeah. Why, uh, why aren't you the guy sending the message to Ridley Gregg? Yeah, because he's not on the ice. Right. But, but the other thing, the, the, the when I played in the league, like, he came into the league in 2011. Like, it's, it's, it's not like he didn't play in the 1980s and 90s. Like, you know, uh, I mean, it's just not, sometimes he just uh, talks a little too much. Uh, and when you're covering him as a beat writer, you love it. But like then when you're, uh, dis- you're away from it and you hear it, you just don't agree with it. Um, by the way, yeah, one thing I did want to ask when you were talking about the Super Bowl, when you got off that plane at Signature in Vegas, what was it like? Was there, there had to be like Unbelievable a Unbelievable number of planes yeah. sitting there. So our plane couldn't even stay there. It right, was, it had to go to L.A. It had to, yeah, yeah it was at L.A. or Palm Springs or so. They flew somewhere. Yeah. And we actually had a long delay. They had some kind of issue with the plane coming back, so we ended up on a different plane going to Phoenix. We had a long delay on the on the, that travel night. Luckily, the next day was an off day, so it didn't really matter. But it was a, some ungodly fee you had to pay to leave your plane there. Yeah. And I did see a little video the next day of the flight yeah. trackers I got with that all too. the charters yeah, leaving, five hundred and fifty yeah. of them or something left the next day. Yeah, and it was it was it was unbelievable to look on that. I mean, you know what that runway looks like, and all these little private jets all parked there was. And one probably you belonging to one famous person over another. It's it's pretty uh, neat. It was crazy the the celebrity presence that was in Vegas that night. It, and I'm not a huge 
celebrity type guy like oh he was here she was here whatever but the, the when you hear everybody talking about it in town it was it was kind of cool to be there it was it was just fun to be in that town with that kind of energy for we've been out there before on start first March weekend Madness, of the NCAA yeah. tournament we were out there on sweet 16 weekend one time we were there on conference championship weekend in the NFL one time so we've been out there coincidentally with the wild when there've been major mm-hmm. sporting events going on elsewhere. But for this one to actually have the game be yeah. there in Vegas was, it was, well, I've cool. been in Vegas a couple times on Super Bowl Sunday, but never obviously when it was in Vegas and even then when it's not there, it's, it's a zoo. What was the hotel like, by the way, because the wild, I, I don't know if I, if people remember my, my podcast earlier this season with Andrew height, but it was really fascinating. He couldn't get a hotel room for the team because everybody needed three day, four day minimums. It was just crazy amount of prices. So finally the NFL donated, I mean, the wild had to pay for them, but gave the wild 40 hotel rooms from their hotel there because otherwise the wild literally would have either had to fly in on game day or stay in another city and fly in. So like maybe stay in LA or Palm Springs and fly in on the day of the game. Um, but then the NFL came to the Wilds' rescue. But uh, was it weird being off the strip a, a little, little bit, bit? I mean, and no only, casino? It's only, and... It was only a block off yeah. the strip, although in it's Vegas, block. blocks are big. Yeah. And it was, but it was, the hotel was fine. It was, there was nothing special, but it, I lo- I'm glad that we were down in that neighborhood and not out of town somewhere. Yeah. For sure. And I didn't realize the NFL had been the ones that had helped them, but it was our hotel had to have been where a lot of the CBS people were housed because mm-hmm. a bunch of the meeting rooms were like CBS meeting rooms, CBS yeah. meeting rooms. So that was kind of cool to even just to be around that kind of energy. And you had the big CBS set set right in front of the Bellagio fountains. That was, mm-hmm. it was kind of cool to watch them taking that apart the next day. And so all of those things were just kind of fun to see, but it did make for a, I, I love, we usually stay at the Bellagio. I love that place. I, I love being right there. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think we're staying there on the next trip either, but it's, uh, but it, it was, it was fun just to at least be in the strip area, even though we were a block off. So we talked about the fourth line. Let's talk about the first line, the newly, uh, the new fourth line that it's not totally brand new. We've seen John Hines actually use this line before, uh, after he first got here and he separated Kaprizov and Zuccarello. I think you and I, our last podcast was at, after the Chicago win. And we talked about how John Hines uh, was not happy after that win and threw some shade at the top two lines, um, you know, really between the lines, talking about guys like Zuccarello and Boldy and, and you know, not so much Kaprizov, but definitely that was part of it. Um, and then we show up to practice the next day and Zuccarello and Kaprizov are, are separated and we have a new first line with Eric Snack and Boldy. And my Lord, has Matt Boldy come alive here? Not that he wasn't alive before, but he is playing his best hockey since last March. And Erickson X just being Erickson X and Kaprizov, the three, their chemistry right now is yeah. off the chain. We, off the I charts. don't know if you were watching our broadcast last night or not, but they had a, I mentioned that if you look at all the lines in the NHL who had played at least 130 minutes going into last night, because those guys I think had played 132 or 135 mm-hmm. together. There's only one line in the NHL that has more goals per 60 minutes than those guys. And they, they've just been magic. It's been their attempts and their chances for are all up in the 75, 78% range these last few games. They've been absolutely dominant. Arizona had no answer for them. Vegas really didn't have an answer for them. Pittsburgh had no answer for them. They've just controlled games. And the, the number of attempts and shots that they get, I think last night between the three of them, they had 25 attempts and 15 shots or something like that. Kaprizov had eight shots on goal. It was they just, they were controlling the games the way that we saw Kaprizov control games so often earlier in his career that we've been waiting. When is it going to be that shift where he's circling with the puck in the offensive zone? And we haven't seen that, but we've seen it from their line where they just, they look like they're on a power play, their entire shift on the ice. I thought yesterday was one of his best games of the season. I know he didn't score every second last night, but even just, again, as you were just saying, coming up the ice with, um, a presence is uh, that was the that was the Kaprizov that I think that we've all come to expect and and I think that's you know I I just was talking to Barrera about this um, you know the, a lot of the fans that have wanted this team to quote unquote tank for a top top pick this team's incapable of tanking when you have players this good right. I mean you can't make 
Erickson Eck and Faber and Kaprizov and Boldy and Zuccarello and Felino and these guys, you know, guys with pride like Fleury and Gus, you can't make them play like Anaheim and San Jose and no. Chicago. No, there are guys. I mean, look at those rosters. We, there are guys on those teams I've never even heard of. You know that I've been. I always will argue against the people who say, oh, you have to bottom out, you have to tank, you have to lose, you have to get a top. You don't. What the Wild have been able to do has been amazing in the fact they've stayed competitive for these last 12 years, turned over almost the entire roster, and yet have been competitive. I I understand they haven't made a run to a cup final, but over the last 11 years, the Wild and the Penguins are the only two teams that have been in the playoffs 10 times. That, that is something. And it's because of the talent level on this roster, the talent level on this team. They're better than the other teams right now that are on the bubble in the West. I don't know if they'll be able to overtake all of them and wind up in the postseason, but there is no way you walk into that room and say to guys, hey, we'd be better off losing games. It's absurd. And they, they are so different. Even look at Arizona. They've been talking earlier this year. I remember when, well, to throw Gorgie under the bus, but earlier in the year, Arizona was winning some games. And he's like, oh, yeah, I mean, the Coyotes are better than us. I'm like, they are not. They're just not. They're not even close. And so when we were going to the game the other night, and I said, look, this has been like their magical year. They've got these two. One goalie's got five shutouts. They're, they've just been stealing games. They won five in a row against the last five cup champs. The Wild have been upside down all year, fired a coach, had seven guys out of the lineup for two weeks. They still have more points than the Coyotes. They're just different. They're at a totally different level than that franchise right now. They're at a different level than the Ducks, than the Sharks, than the Hawks, all these teams. I mean, it's just, this team is one of the best eight teams in the West. It's just a matter of if they can, over, they can make if up. If they can four. overcome the first 19 right. games and the seven that, that happened in the yeah. middle of this streak. That's, uh, I and totally it, agree. And if you look yeah. at the – so I was talking we, – we talked about this last night too. If you look at their season, the last nine games under Evison when they had the losing streak, then they go 11-3 and three with Hines. Then they start losing guys, and they go 1-7-1. and one. And if you look at the guys that were out during that 1-7-1 and one stretch, it, it, it wasn't 1-7-1 and one with your A team. It was 1-7-1 and one, about five of those nights. You had no chance with the roster you were running out. And now since then, they're 8-3. and three. So which team is real? If you even just look at the Hines era, 11-3, 1-7-1, you were crippled, 8-3. Is it really realistic to look and say they're a 19 and 6 club if they've got all their guys healthy? Maybe not, but it's for sure more accurate than saying that their overall mark is what it is because that 1 7 and 1 stretch, yes, they didn't play well, they didn't get great goaltending, but they were fielding a team that was $50 million under the cap for most of those games. That's mm-hmm. nobody wins in that spot. Yeah. And we were all talking about like Kaprizov and Felino and Zuccarello and Brodeen and Spurgeon and Gustafson being out of the lineup. We, we all discounted the Vinny Letary factor. And that's yeah. clearly, look at yeah. that. They were 11 yeah. and three with Letary in the lineup. He goes out, they go in that tank. He comes back, they've won four in a row since. I will go to my grave saying that so, Vinny yeah, Letary was the you, biggest injury. They were, appreciate uh, yeah. this. I appreciate this. We have two little tangential stories on Letary. One is that tomorrow night we're going to be trying, lamb, we're going to make lamb chops here. I got the recipe from Tino. He was the one, Tino Letary, Vinny's father. He was the one who put the recipe into Louis's restaurant, Tavern 23. We had them there one day, and they were awesome. And I had made the comment when we were up at Louis's cabin this summer. I was like, I want to get that lamb chop recipe. And very quickly, Louis's daughter-in-law was like, that's not Louis's recipe. That's Tino's recipe. You get it from Tino. Well, Tino sent it to me, so we're going to try that tomorrow night. The other thing is, as we're doing the game last night, something came up in the broadcast. Letary's name came up somehow, and Wes Walls made mention of the, you had sent me the tweet of Louis hole-in-one. Right. And, he, and Wes had seen it too, so he mentions it. And, and I said, well, I'll guarantee you, wherever he is right now, he's watching this game, critiquing every shift. I got a text from him 15 seconds later saying, you're right, I am watching. No, so here's what happened. I, you guys were telling this story. All of a sudden, you show a guy on the glass wearing a Lou Nanny jersey. I call Lou up in Florida because he does not live in Minnesota. 
I call up Louie in Florida and I say, did you plant that Lou Nanny jersey in this crowd? He's like, what are you talking about? And then he's like, oh, I missed it. I'll rewind. And then that's when he texted right. you. Well, yeah. So the, not the nanny jersey, yeah. but it was when we were talking about Letary. And oh, I had right. just said, I'll guarantee you he's watching the game critiquing every shift from number 10. And he texted me like instantaneously and was like, you got that right. And By the way, so a couple of weeks ago, I went to uh, uh, Tavern 23 with uh, Lou Nanny. Or it was our like weekly uh, when he's in town or, or date. We go to Lou, Tavern 23. Um and for the first time ever, I got the steak there. It's phenomenal. Like they're, they're like uh, gridiron steak or flat iron steak or whatever they call it. Yeah, they're flat iron Ab- steak there for a long Absolutely long unreal. But um, so then we're going, <laughs> then we decided to go take a trip down to, to smoke some cigars, uh, which my dentist pointed out today. And, um, and uh, on the way there, we called Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick up. We had like a little conference call. It was one of the funniest conversations you've ever heard of Lou Nanny talking to this guy. It was like, I mean, and Jeff Merrick, if you know Jeff Merrick at all, like Lunani's his hero. So it's always a cool little moment when they when they talk. Was he telling him that he thought Letary should be making two million bucks somewhere yep, playing, and playing on the top se- six? Uh, second line, yeah. first power play. Um uh to your point before we got on this tangent about the teams they're going with, like you pointed out yesterday on the broadcast twice, once during the pregame show and once during the broadcast on a chart that you put together about how favorable their schedule is coming up. And we've talked about this ad nauseum really the last month. If you look at the teams that they are fighting with right now, like, like every team around them, they are better than Arizona, Seattle, Calgary, Cal. And here's the thing with Calgary. They're probably going to trade Tanev and Hannafin. Arizona is going to trade everybody. Seattle's probably trading guys. Nashville is one team that I still think is going to get back into the playoffs, but LA's in the tank. St. Louis, like if the wild can just take care of business in these yeah. games and, and stay healthy, they really do. They're, a, they're, they're better than these teams, but they have, they have to play significantly better because of the early season struggles. And so it's, it's still probably a, a less than 50, 50 bet. If you were actually getting odds to, whether or not they make it into the playoffs, but they're better than those teams. And we, we took a look at it that the two days, the, the Monday and Tuesday couldn't have possibly gone any better for the wild. Seattle went one and one, every other team that was on the bubble lost and the wild had a win in Vegas and then followed it up with a win in Arizona. So the wild went two and oh, the rest of the contenders were one and six over a three day stretch. Then you look at the wild schedule in the next 15, they got nine against non-playoff teams. Even in the last 15, where they play nine against teams currently holding playoff spots, four of them are against the Blues and Kings, who are the two wildcard teams. So you've got a chance right there to make up the ground you're, you're behind. And of the six against non-playoff teams, five of them are against the bottom five teams in the league. Anaheim, San Jose, Ottawa, Chicago. Right. So they, they have opportunities Blues look like they're playing really well right now. One seven of ten. Um, you know, uh, Kings are just in the crump. I mean, every team around them is actually. I mean, uh, Calgary's been five hundred. Uh, you know, we know that obviously Anaheim or Arizona has lost what seven in a row now. Um, uh, Seattle's lost seven of ten. So I mean, the Wild definitely have a chance here. As you know by now, I'm a big, big, big fan and proponent of Olivia Weight Control Centers because I'm also a client. Well, I've got some big news. Livia, the trusted leader in weight loss, is now offering breakthrough weight loss medications in their center locations. In fact, I was down at the Roseville location last week, and I met with Dan, Marie, and Amanda to get info for myself, and they were so excited with the number of people coming in for their consultations to see if the medical weight loss program would be the right thing for them to complement the work they're doing on the nutrition side of their journey. Well, Livia's new medical weight loss program offers GLP-1 medications that will support you in overcoming those biological barriers that can make losing weight so difficult. Trust me, I know with my early mornings, my late nights, my endless number of flights, 
it is absolutely hard. Well, with this medication, you can eliminate the food noise and experience accelerated weight loss and decreased appetite, and you get all that alongside award-winning expert nutrition and personalized one-on-one support that you've come to know from Livia Weight Control Centers. I've been with Livia for six weeks, have lost close to 20 pounds, and already feel better in so many ways thanks to the expert nutritional guidance and personalized one-on-one support that I was just talking about that I get weekly from Livia. Visit Livia.com. That's L-I-V-E-A.com or call 855-GO-LIVIA and find out more about their groundbreaking medical weight loss option. And if you're interested in the nutritional side only, well, good news. If you join Livia today, you'll get your first three months free. Be sure to mention my name, Russo, when you call in or fill out the form on the website and the fine folks at Livia will get you all set up. Start your weight loss journey the Livia way. Hey, everyone. Attorney Jerry Bosch here with Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. For almost 30 years, we've represented Minnesotans just like you all over the great state of Minnesota to guarantee they've been treated fairly and with respect when they've suffered a work-related injury. A work injury can change your life in an instant. You need someone on your side who can help you focus on getting back on your feet and getting paid while you do. You may be entitled to medical benefits, wage loss benefits, job placement, retraining, and payment for permanent disability. To make sure you are being paid all the work comp benefits you're entitled to, please call the attorneys at Bosch Law Firm. The call is always free, and there's never a fee unless we recover benefits on your behalf. Call 651-333-8300, Bosch Law Firm, or visit us at workcompexperts.com. Welcome back to Worst Season House, Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta. Uh, February 21st is our next live show. That is at 7 p.m. at Elsie's. That will be a very fun show because it'll be the day after we're both in Winnipeg for that game. And we know that that game, would you expect fireworks for that game? I mean, or do you think it's going to be one of those where it's like, all right, it's, you know, sometimes you hype it up and nothing happens. Yeah. But remember the last time they play, you had the whole Hartman Perfetti nonsense that happened way I think on depends. the ice. So then yeah. Perfetti let everybody know about it. And I think Hartman it depends on who's in the lineup for the wild. If Marcus Foligno's back, he won't. And it, that, that becomes a different, atmosphere yep. for sure in that game it's a very important game for minnesota so i think it's i'd say that it's probably unlikely that there's that and there's winnipeg's fireworks. not playing well right now no they're not. i mean you know they won last night won nothing against san jose but they are not scoring goals right now so they've had they've been they haven't been playing well so all right let's get some twitter questions because we have a ton of really good ones here um rock nhl goes do you think Faber is starting to become the face of the franchise over 97 um, that's probably a little too much right now. I think Kaprizov is still going to be your your most popular player. But my God, Anthony Brock Faber. I mean, it's been terrific. It's just you know, as you said yesterday, or or maybe during the Vegas game, it's like every step of the way we're like, all right, yeah, but he hasn't played this many games, or yeah, you know, like there's always like this yeah. like every next threshold. There's always yeah. this next threshold where you're like, all right, is the real is Faber going to hit that rookie wall? And he just doesn't do it. How about that first period yesterday? We're on the PK. He's just blocking shots and killing four checks. And he's been great. Yeah. And been so good on the power play. And when you really. It's good to have a team that has multiple faces, not just. Yeah. And I, I think, I think we talked about this a couple shows ago. What's different about this young core for the wild is you're talking about guys who look like they could be stars, not just good players. Kaprizov, Boldy, Faber, Rossi. They look like they could be stars when they hit their prime, not just really good NHL players. And I think Faber is, you know, I mean, it was it was interesting last night to watch as they're going head-to-head against the guy he replaced in the lineup in Matt Dumba. And it's the Wild miss some of what Dumba brought. They miss his leadership. They miss his energy. They miss, the team doesn't have the same kind of swagger that they had when he was a part of it. But on the ice... They are so much better. He could have had like nine penalties yesterday. He could have. And if you How about know, the most blatant one where he just almost took uh, the eyes out of Jewel Erickson Eck is yeah. just somehow missed and, by Kevin Pollock. Right. And that was right after they missed the trip on Rossi. It was. Yeah. But Matt Dumba, six points and a minus 10. Brock Faber, 34 points and a plus 12 or plus nine or whatever he was last night. When you, when you just look at it that way and you think, you're just not comparing apples to apples. He, he's just a. He's a better all-around player right now, and the Wild are so much better off with him on the ice. And how quickly his offense has evolved has been something to be seen. Um, you know, sometimes you... It's like somebody asked me, one of the Twitter questions that I have written here is somebody, do you think with the Wild struggling defensively, 
they, do they miss Kalen Addison? And first, I would actually debate whether or not they're struggling defensively. Their PK has sucked all year. It's been good lately, but it has sucked all year. But and five it, on five, their defense has been good. And Zach Bogosian is 20 times better of a defender than Bogosian's Kalen Addison. Bogosian's been great. Did you see the stat we showed last night? For mm-hmm. the season, five on five expected goals against. Yeah, it's number near, two. Yeah, that's Florida's what is the only yep. team that's better. What's been different about this team defensively is they haven't gotten the goaltending they got last year. Same two guys. Last year, they were third in the league in save percentage. This year, most of the year, they've been in the bottom three. Right now, I think they're 25th or 26th in save percentage. They're giving up fewer chances than anybody with a defensive core that's been without Spurgeon for a big chunk of the year without Brodeen, and yet they still have maintained that defensively. They're they're not missing Kalen Addison on this yeah. defense. And Bogosian has been so good. Like if 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 before the trade deadline he would take a two year deal at a less than a million, I bet you the Wild would actually extend. Oh, I would. I'd sign you know, him for two years. He's just for got sure. this presence about him. First of all, he looks like a gladiator. Um, he does, but but you know what's funny about him is I don't think any people realize he's only thirty three years old. Right. This is not a thirty nine year old yeah. guy. He just started playing when and he was he actually so incredibly skates young. Very well. Going forward, sometimes you know, yeah. I mean, like most big guys, if you if a if a Kalen if a Clayton Keller's coming at him one on one, he's probably getting beat. But he has been good. There are times where you know when you play twenty five shifts a night, there you're going to have some tough moments. And uh, but for the well, most part, Bogosian has done his job. Imagine here. if this defensive core has its top four intact next year, and you're talking about Zach Bogosian as being your five or six defenseman. A right shot guy, a big physical guy, and if you're only asking him to play 12, 14, 15 minutes a night, sign me up. I'll take that guy, and I have no idea what he's thinking or what he might have for options, but if he's a million-dollar-a-year third-pair defenseman, yeah. I'd take him. Watch the blue line next year. It's going to wind up being like Middleton, Faber, Brodeen, Spurgeon, uh, Chisholm, Bogosian and like Mermis or something. Like Mermis is handy. I'd re-sign him if for Mermis a year. is your seven, your six seven guy. Yeah. It'd be Dave, nice if these and Damon Hunt maybe is yeah. now your well, six that's or the seven. Thing. Like guy at some and, point we have to like like in a couple in a week or so we're gonna find out where the wild are in the athletics uh, prospect pool. And they're obviously gonna drop because you're graduating guys like Boldy and Rossi. Stram all over Perot is not gonna look good. Um but you know, one reason why they're probably gonna drop too is that so far we have not seen the much ballyhooed blue line prospects developed the way we expected in Iowa. Damon Hunt's at the top of the list, but so far Lambo, Spatchik, O'Rourke, you know, we're still waiting on that Masters, uh, people like that. Uh, Karen Fiala asks, uh, it's Fiala's picture with a wig, um, asks, uh, when the NHLPA appeals the suspension for cross-checking another player directly in the face, is the player, obviously talking about the Riley Gregg thing and Morgan Riley, is the player that got cross-checked in the face, also an NHL PM, or ever like, what the F? That guy deserves suspension, and you represent me too. It's such a great question. I talk about this all the time. Like, it, it is, it's, it's the weirdness of a union, right? right. You got to protect the other guy, and you're, when you're doing that, the other guy's got to be like, what the hell? This happened to me at the Star Tribune once in 07 when we, were, when we went into bankruptcy. cross-checked in the head? No, but it, I, a similar thing to Karen Fialo. You know, we were represented by a union, um, we had these, these buyouts and, and, um, volunteer buyouts and all this you want stuff. To answer your mom's phone call in the and middle of the show. No, I, uh, and anyway, so we had these volunteer buyouts and, and you, you were supposed to, you're supposed to essentially be offered them based on seniority. Well, I was kind of like low man on the totem pole because I was only hired in 05, but I was the hockey writer and the strip essentially, you know, over t- like leapfrogged me and offered the buyout to somebody else. And so the union basically filed a grievance. And here I'm like, I give 1.8% of my salary to you. And you're firing, essentially, you're filing a grievance to say that I should have been let go over this person. So it's kind of like the same thing. It's, it's this weirdness of a, when you're represented by a union. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting question. I mean, but, and I guarantee that happens. But that's, that's life they end. Uh, they're in. Uh, uh, let's see. Um, Big BP 55 says, given the quality of play lately and the winning streak since Maroon's injury, does it increase the likelihood that the wild will take whatever they can for him and move him at the deadline? Um, also, do you feel other pieces would be moved like uh Duham to make room for who's not enough? Um, I mean, the Maroon thing is interesting. I mean, yeah, if, 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 
especially because he's probably not going to be back to mid to late March. I think it probably would make sense to move him if you can get something for him and you feel like you have the pieces to fill in in those spots. But remember, they also acquired Maroon because they wanted that presence in the in the playoffs. So maybe that's what Bill Guerin's going to look at. Perhaps. I, I don't know that. It all depends on, I suppose, what some of these other guys end up. Is Shaw healthy and ready to go? What Do their they house sign? Who's the Dean of? Yeah. Where? I wouldn't be surprised at all if they made some kind of a move. And even if he is still beat up, much like what the Wild did last year when they brought Nyquist in, because he was injured, the price went down. So they took a shot and said, let's see if he gets healthy. And I could see somebody doing that with Maroon. He's got some yeah. Stanley Cup playoff credibility. And with Duham, like, unless you're offered something really significant, like, I don't see the real value in in trading him. I also think, like, we're doing a player poll that you'll read pretty soon in The Athletic, and it's hilarious. And I'll just say that, remember when I did the player poll in 2020 and everybody was going after guys like Greenway and Ryan Donato? Well, Duham is the most popular person inside the room of people just making fun of uh with certain subjects and to me my always opinion is when teammates are going after you to that such a degree it shows you how popular you really are in that room i i i you know for bill Guerin to be such a locker room guy and do him to be such an important piece in there and liked in there and all that stuff i don't know if you just trade him for nothing just to open a door oh, yeah for, i don't know. think they would do so that. like it just makes no sense I, you know the more the merrier in terms of uh in terms of uh in terms of, uh, uh, I've lost my train of thought there. More the merrier in terms of assets and things like that. All right, Donnie the Mouse uh, says, uh, "How close do you think the Wild, uh, the Wild, to be in the playoff race for Bill Guerin to not sell? Call me crazy, but I'm starting to believe in this team again, and I don't want them to sell off if they're within like six points of the Wild Cardster. Like again, the way I look at this is that the second they re-signed Felino, Hartman, and Zuccarello, to me, the intrigue of the trade deadline left. So really, like, are you gonna if like we're talking about selling pieces for fifth round picks here, you know, maybe a guy like flurry who you can maybe get a conditional second, like a third round pick, but maybe it moves to a second of team goes to the Western final. But trust me, Mark Andre flurry doesn't want to go anywhere. He wants to make the playoffs with this team. Now, if they fall out by March 8th, yeah, I think that they'll present him some options like Carolina or Colorado or, or, or whomever. Um, but right now, like, like to me, Bill Guerin, he's not going to really be a buyer. And in terms of selling, like, like we're all worried about, like, or is he going to sell or buy? Well, it's not like anything that he does is going to, like, trigger some sort of rebuild. So I don't think this is as much intrigue as fans keep on making. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, he isn't going to buy. It's maybe a, a role player, a supplemental piece, but he's not going to give away any significant future asset for a, a veteran or an expiring right. contract right now. If he if he buys, it's going to be a very small part. Small. I think piece. his buying is Mason, Sean, Murat, who's Nazina. That's what I think his buying was, and Chisholm. I think that I don't. I just don't right. see him going out and making moves. Uh, Joey asked, with Yurov resigning in the KHL outside of Murat, who else from the organization could make the team next year and help provide some secondary scoring? Um, all I could tell you is I've seen the reports on Yurov and all that stuff. And by the way, this goes back to what I was saying and when everybody in December was like, there was some deadline for Yurov to sign. That was absolutely inaccurate. Um, I just, I talked to Yurov yesterday and Yurov told me again, that he has not re-signed in the KHL, that he, if that there's essentially a contract in waiting that he has negotiated, but it is not signed yet. And the wild have also confirmed that. So I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but right now it is not a guarantee that he is a hundred percent staying again. Um, I'm expecting him to stay, but he told me again yesterday, him, I'm not like, I'm not, this is not sources him. He told me yesterday, and we learned that he last has, week, you are not here to give us your opinion. Exactly. He told me that he is, um, uh, hasn't decided what he's going to do next summer yet. So, um, and, and in terms of like people acting like the reports the other day of him allegedly saying that he resigned is news. Um, this doesn't change anything. Bill Guerin has made it very clear that. Yurov, in his eyes, was going to be in Iowa anyway or the KHL. So this doesn't suddenly open the door for other players to make the team. Um, you know, it was very unlikely that he was going to make the team anyway. Um, here's a good question. Jimmy says, what happens if there's a delayed penalty after a team enters the zone, scores, and then there's a successful ch coach's challenge for our size? Does the penalty still count even though the time 
it occurred hasn't happened yet due to the clock going back to the time of the offsides. Yes, if there is a delayed penalty, doesn't matter if the delayed penalty happened after the reversal of the offsides. The way I understand the rule is that they would still get a power. Yeah, the penalty, a penalty can happen anytime, even if you do go backward in time. Yeah. Um, Johnson from Wisconsin goes, I know Mojo has great top six contract, but he's not playing up to that level. With one year left at $2 million, how likely would it be to move him at the deadline so we can keep the Deweys uh, together? Um, he has a full no move, so probably unlikely. Um, but he is not. There's just there are times where I love his game, Anthony, and there are times where it's just last night. Yeah, it, it, I think it's interesting with him though that it. This is just the player that he is. He's not a in-your-face physical guy. He's a good skater. That some nights he's going to make some plays and and look like a a guy that could be a more significant scorer than he's been. But if you look over his career, most years he's ended up in about the same spot. And he's pretty good with his stick, great feet, great skater, but he's just never going to be a, a game-changing type forward. He just isn't. Yeah. Um, never for lack of effort. Yeah. Uh, placed your bets three. It says, with how well the fourth line's been playing, what do you predict happens when Felino is healthy? Does that make guys like Dewey one and two easier to deal? Same with Maroon. Or do they go back to pre-injury and roll with it? I, I don't think I, I don't think they're trading either, do we? And yeah, when Felino's healthy, he's going back to his spot. I mean, right. that's like, you know, these guys have contracts. Well, you know, Jake Lucini goes back to Iowa. That's yeah, just the and, way it works. And look, Felino's a different player than Connor Dewar or Brandon Duhame. And I've argued that from the time, way back to when he signed this extension and we started to wonder about where he fit on the team. He's he's a different player. He's a more valuable player. He's a better all-around player. He's a more skilled player than any of these fourth-line guys we're talking about. He can he makes more plays in a night than those guys make in a week. It, he's just a different guy. And he's had a good year. He's had a real like, good year. Yeah, like, like I, I, I get that fans are just like up in arms of the contract and stuff like that. But the reality is, is that he's had a good year, and he is still a very important piece of this this organization. And it's an absolute warrior. Like, let, let's not forget that Pittsburgh game until he got hurt. He was freaking unreal. And in Chicago, he was outstanding in Chicago in a game where the top six absolutely didn't show up. Not only outstanding uh, and fighting his brains off after being in the, you know, in, in the, you know, Turks and Caicos and lounging around the sun for a week. Um, you know, he scores the winning goal. Um, Joey asks, uh, what, what do you think about Rossi's game the last few weeks? Do you think his lack of production is from him hitting the rookie wall or having, uh, either Freddie or Johansson on his wing? I don't think his game had been great. I thought it was really good in Vegas and I think it was almost as good in Arizona. I, I just, he's been a little, not really perimeter is not the right word for it, but He's been a little bit removed from the battle, I think, the last couple of I, weeks. I, agree. I don't think it has anything to do with hitting a wall. I think it's just that his game's been off. But I thought he was really good in Vegas, and I thought it wasn't just that he scored the yeah. goal. I thought from the start in that game, he was more engaged. He was winning more battles for pucks. He was making plays, creating chances, and, and I think he carried that over into Arizona. Yeah, um, you know, it's funny because you said Chicago, he was their best analytical player, but I thought I test he wasn't very good that night, but maybe... Uh, yeah, I thought he yeah, was good in that yeah. game, but I I just thought the it was the Pittsburgh game I didn't think was very good. And then the couple before the break, I, I just thought he looked like he had been a little off, but I thought his game looked good the last two on yeah. this trip. A couple more questions. Uh, Andrew asked, what's the one trade the Wild didn't make that you would have turned out to be a great one? I mean, I don't know... There was talk of Dumba for Nylander. I don't know if that how real that was, but but Nylander would have been a great one. The other one is uh, years and years and years ago, the Wild tried to sign Marion Hosa the year he signed his one year deal in Chicago or Detroit, and uh, and that would have been a heck of a heck of a signing. Um, let's see here. Uh, here's one for here's one I thought was interesting because I didn't hear you say this. Tyler goes from Mike specifically. Can you explain why the Wild can't win on national TV? LePanta pointed out the record is much better when only looking at the Bally's broadcasted games. Is this true? And does this prove that jinxes are real? Well, it does not prove jinxes are real. I think it does. They're not. It and seems they like did, that... they did win their last national game, the Chicago game, 
I think that was their first national win of the year. I think they was it really? It was they. Well, they got blown out in Dallas. They got beat by Colorado at home, and there was one other one that they lost. It was oh the Philly game in Philly. Yeah, was one sided. They was they had gotten blown out. They were zero and four, I think, and had gotten blown out in three of the four. And then the Chicago game they won on national TV. So. Yeah, they've been better on Bally's. Keep every game on Bally's. I think yeah, that'd be yeah. the smart way to go. Peter uh, the Goat asked, did you like the All-Star jerseys? I actually liked them. What did you think? I, they weren't bad. I, th- yeah. I like the nameplate on the bottom. I thought it looked pretty smooth. Yeah, um, I didn't really have a strong opinion. Wild Boys 59. Boy, this is, maybe I should save this for next week. This could open a uh, door. If you, guys, if you guys can say what's your thought going on on the Russia situation, I feel bad for Kaprizov. Well, I wrote that story with Joe Smith and Rob Rossi the other day, and you would have thought that we committed uh, treason. Um, I, there is such a disconnect in my mind for this. Like, I just don't understand, like there are some psychos on Twitter and in the comment section that are acting like these Russians that are playing the NHL are the ones that decided to invade Ukraine. I I don't understand. Like, I will never comprehend how it is up to Kirill Kaprizov or Nikita Kucherov or Andre Vasilevsky or Svechnikov or whoever to give what their feelings are on the war, especially because this is not the United States. You don't know what repercussions could happen back when you go back there to your family. I, I don't understand. It's none of our business. Right now, because of what's going on over there, they have been taking out of international hockey. That was the purpose of our article, to talk to them about how they're not invited to be in this Four Nations Cup, how Nikita Kucherov and Vasilevsky and these guys might never, ever get to experience what Kirill Kaprizov did in the Olympics in, in South Korea. Um, so I'm with you wild boys, 59. Like I, I, that is my thought on it is like, I get why other countries do not want Russians to be part of international competition, but it is not Kirill Kaprizov's job to be asked his opinion of Putin or the war. Same. It is, it is not me up to going around the locker room and asking people about Donald Trump or Joe Biden or when we invade another country. Like, we don't ever ask Americans what they think of what's going on here. So why should Kirill Kaprizov have to give his opinion of what's going on yeah. or, or, or condemn the war? If he's disappointed that he doesn't get to play, that's fine. That's what, I, and, that's what the story is. And, 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 and some, one of my colleagues in the athletics said that J- Joe Smith, Rob Rossi, and I have the blood of Ukrainian children on our hands. Like, what the f- Fuck. Okay. <laughs> Keep that in, Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> it's at 102. Nobody will even hear it. Anyway, I mean, that's just my opinion. Don't you think that's a perfect way to end the podcast? I think it's a perfect way to end. Yeah. You just want to make dinner. I do want to make dinner. He's... I got some steaks. I got another tequila cocktail to whip up. Yeah. There are some really good uh, questions left, but uh, we talked about dentistry and, and yeah. you're incredible. And we have a show next week. Um, well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, thanks, as always, uh, to uh, all our Tuttle's uh, restaurants for having us, Grain Belt, and as well. Again, February 21st is our next live show. Uh, that is going to be at Elsie's at 7 p.m. Come early for dinner. You'll absolutely love it. Um, and again, thanks to our sponsors, and thanks for Anthony for having the Aquarius Home Services studio in his house tonight. Anytime. You're welcome anytime. Our sponsors are Aquarius Home Services, your local authorized dealer for Connecticut Water Treatment System. Uh, plumbing, heating, electrical work, our Royal Credit Union, Olivia Weight Control Centers, Bosch Law Firm, and Twill in the Edina Galleria. See you at Elsie's, everybody. So much coming out, there's nothing going in. I know that you feel like you're never going to win. Oh, but the 